we've like, we've done. Yeah, we've We are live, JW Megawake Show. I am your host, the Candyman, and today you're in for a special treat. We have a uh, San Francisco resident and entrepreneur. Please welcome to the show, Liz Diaz. <laughs> How was the commute over here? I'd researched at this point on Google and was able to come straight in patrol, and it's before four o'clock, so I could make the appropriate right turn. Here. Yeah, my goodness. So, uh, how long have you been in San Francisco for? A few decades. <laughs> nice. I got here when I was about 21. 21? Wow, well, that wasn't too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, you know, wanted, I know that you're, um, you have this project uh, with Canvas Houses. So, I really wanted to kind of uh, jump into that and see how you, uh, you came up with the idea. Well, it was probably close to exactly two years ago, and I uh, had to sort of, I was compelled to come up with a something that inspired me. And at the time, as, near, as it is now, but at the time, you could see a lot more homeless along the Embarcadero. And I thought, you know, is there something I could do? And also on the radio and stuff, the words back then were, are there, you know, anybody with anybody per se but what were the creative solutions for homelessness was kind of a phrase and what are innovative solutions for homelessness and and this is what was being looked for and I thought well I like that challenge and I sort of applied myself to it because it seemed like I was qualified for it because what I do as a business is I design and build boat interiors and I wanted to apply my skill building really nice livable small spaces to people who need a nice livable small space at a reasonable price point that also looks good because one of the vanguards of what I do is make really good looking stuff in small spaces. Yeah, I actually personally saw it myself. I was really impressed. Um, yeah, so you you were actually into uh, with boat interior. That's that's a great, um, yeah, that's a great way to, <laughs> I think everyone could relate to the, the homeless issue here in San Francisco. And I thought it was just, um, yeah, it was a really, um, decorative and really, it looked really nice. I, I could actually see myself living in one of these if I didn't have rent control. <laughs> <laughs> I think these would qualify as rent control in some version. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. So I, I just, um, I know that, you know, homelessness is a big topic of conversation here in, um, in San Francisco and, uh, but it's something, you know, that's global, but I feel like it's really intensified, around here I could I could yeah this is yeah it was interesting to think of coming here to talk to you about homeless and I think of San Francisco as you know one of the where where the problem is biggest in the country but actually it's New York is above San Francisco Los Angeles San Diego San Jose are all above San Francisco on the list except for San Francisco in is a lot more like Manhattan we're pretty much an island. We're the tip of an island. And it's more obvious here than it would be in a more spread out city. We're a very tiny city. We're 49 square miles. We're the only city that is also its own county in the whole country. For whatever that's worth. It's a very <laughs> small place. <laughs> Which suits the smallness of the canvas houses. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I just, we were talking about like some of these famous artists. 
you know, like uh, like Bob Dylan and Vincent Van Gogh, like, and and how you know these creative people came from poverty, and they somehow managed, you know, well, especially Bob Dylan, I think, you know. Well, Bob Dylan, um, I'm not a historian, but Bob Dylan really being being the poet that he is, and what he could write about was amazing, and he was actually inspired a lot by Woody Guthrie. And I wasn't able to find anything done by Woody Guthrie, but I remember my dad singing some of Woody Guthrie's song about being um, things like Hallelujah on the Bum and things like that. And then Bob Dylan, like in Highway 61, revisited, you know, goes straight to the, the, the homeless issue. So I don't know if you want to put that on, but you could. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I just think that, you know, with, with the question we housed here and, you know, how times have changed, but there's probably a lot of, you know, people that are living on the street that are really talented and they have the ability, but they just need that kind of push in the right direction. And um, that's what I, I just, yeah, what you're doing is so great. And uh, so where's this pro? where's the project? So the project lives... That our project lives at Pier 40, and that's where we're designing and building our prototypes. Um, but to the question of music, I used to only give money to the homeless musicians because at least they were, as felt in my brain, were, were the ones sitting there on the sidewalk playing whatever they were playing. At least that's a great thing to do with the time sitting there is practice your instrument. Um, but now my point of view is just like, the, the, the problem is so much greater <laughs> than where people can play music. But what we want to do with the project is we want to get it out there. And we feel we're doing our duty to introduce as many people, like yourself, to the Canvas House. So you actually see it, you go inside it, you go, oh, wow, this is cool. Because it's so different than what the other few solutions are. Have you um, seen any of the other solutions? Like, have you been at a navigation center or... I have not um, been at a navigation center. I have seen some of the um, the hostels in um, downtown San Francisco. That's kind of my knowledge um, on that. Do you have, oh yeah, so you're in Pier 40, so do you have one of these on display there? Uh, by appointment, absolutely. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, you, can, you can click on your link in Mutiny Radio and come and talk to me and we can arrange a time to give them what we call the Cook's Tour. <laughs> The, the, the back behind the behind the scenes tour of the canvas houses, which we are happy to give to anybody. You just got to make sure we're there because it's under it's, it's, we, we, it's in our you know in our, it's in our location, so you have to be able to get into it. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't seen any other uh, solutions. Um, far as uh, this is one of the first kind of homeless uh, solutions that I've seen. Um, and so, what are kind of the other solutions that you've seen, and how you kind of distinguish yourself from that? I can't say there are a lot of solutions, but there are a few solutions, and I've talked to a lot of people that have made those few solutions from um, one I have not talked to, but I've studied, is the, the Conestoga Wagon Solution, which takes place up in uh, the Pacific Northwest. And this is different than that solution. Um, we're a fully furnished micro-dwelling, and were designed to be uh, transportable either by collapsing it and putting it into a pickup truck and moving it because it weighs 500 pounds or you could move the canvas house with a pallet jack 
or you can anchor the pallet, anchor the canvas house to the ground and it becomes hurricane proof. So it's being built to a variety of different standards that I understand from my industry, the marine industry, and the tent and the fabric building industry. That's where my background's at. So there's a Conestoga wagon, and another one that's, that Oakland uses is the Tough Shed. And the difference between us and a Tough Shed, well, a Tough Shed is designed for tools. It's not designed for people. So they have to do a lot of kind of rework to make it habitable for a person. It's not movable. It's larger. It's, um, it has to be furnished. And you have to have a foundation underneath it. Ours has an adjustable foundation. And again, there's nothing in the size that we're building. We're building actually fairly small. We're building like a boat cabin. So a nine by five foot footprint is how big we're building. And, it, and a, the um, tough shed is seven by 10, 70 square feet mm -hmm. or bigger. We can get bigger, but that's not where we're at today. Yeah, no, I see that, you know, her, like even hurricane proof is like, wow, you know, there's not many hurricanes here, but I could see this working out in other places all over the country and maybe the world. Yeah, it's indestructible. Huh? It's, it's, we're trying to, the, the object would be that it would be fairly indestructible. And the hurricane proof ability is, has a real uh, valuable second facet to it in that it makes, the fabric, the 22-ounce vinyl, which is inherently flame-resistant that's on the outside of it, can also be a surface for artwork. And that's one of the things that I really love about the canvas house, is that it can be anything. It could be beautiful. Like the pictures I'm showing you right now of yes. it with the Finch artwork on the outside of it. Wow. It's really personalized, the, yeah. With the giant poppies on the outside. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, so it's awesome. It could be... I, I, I imagine a field of these all with different impressionist paintings on the outside of it because having vinyl printed is just like having just a banner printed it just happens to be bigger and the vinyl that it's built out of could be printed or other kinds of banners could be on the outside of it wow that's really creative I could see it being like just a, a art project too that's really awesome I've talked with um, some of the uh, what is it the youth spirit art project in Oakland about doing something in the future. They're building tiny homes for, for teenagers and they thought this was pretty cool. And I just talked today with some people in San Francisco that could be interested in putting artwork on the outside. So we're really excited. I'm probably most excited about that because again, it art is for everybody. It's not not for the homeless, it's for everybody. Yeah, it's really interesting, you know, with art and, you know, how it's a therapy for some for some people. And I don't know, saying like Vincent Van Gogh, you know, I never met the guy, but he had that creative outlet and um, it's beautiful, you know. His stuff is beautiful, the yeah. starry skies and the fact that he was a very, how should we say, I don't want to say very mentally ill, okay, but he was, he was mentally ill. He never sold any of his art in his lifetime. His brother supported him. And honestly, the, the one painting called The Room, which is almost exactly the size of the canvas house, is uh, just proves the point. Just proves the point that you can be in a very small place and the small place can be beautiful and, you, and beautiful things can come of it. 
art doesn't need to be um, expensive. It needs to be a vehicle for people to express themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, um, it's amazing, you know, because homelessness, and you know, it's a, it's a big issue globally, but I feel like here is just, um, you know, you see uh, someone on the street and they're playing music. And I'm definitely, like you said, like I'm definitely more inclined to give someone my money if they're playing music. That's so cool. If someone's doing something creative and they're on the street, I'm so much more inclined um, to uh, to make a donation. But, um, you know, some of these, it's really, you know, stigmatizing, you know, the having questionably housed. But then you see, you know, these some of these famous actor, um, actors and actresses like... Uh, like Jim Carrey and and Jennifer Lopez, you know, and, and uh, um, Halle Berry. Like at one point, they were they were in poverty. I think even Brad Pitt. I heard that he went down to L.A. with a beat up truck and five hundred bucks in his pocket. You know, a lot of people did. I mean, the amount of people that are. I mean, I sailed into the city and lived on boats for the first year that I was here. I mean, I was certainly transitional. You know, I mean, there were, I was not the only one, nor would I be the only one if I was living on a boat now. People taking advantage of the very small space near an urban area to be able to provide whatever wonderful service they're providing for the city and live in a, a environment that's the appropriate price to the amount of money they're making. I mean, that's one of the saddest parts of the housing crisis right now is... It's systematically uh, being, the amount of housing is systematically being shrunken because it's all becoming middle to upper income housing. And the people that, were, that basically support our infrastructure can't afford to, to put a house on their family or on themselves. And those numbers are going in different directions. The amount of high-end jobs are increasing, the amount of housing is not increasing, and the amount of people who can pay for that housing are the people in the, the higher income bracket. And transitional housing, I think, in one, two, three, four, five years and beyond that is going to be a much more common sight. And not calling people homeless, they'll be just transitional. Like yeah, that's Jim Carrey sleeping in his car, you know, when he yeah. came to the United States or whatever. I think that is a great way to put it as transitional because when you call someone homeless, it's just they're it's stigmatizing. You know, that thing that's brilliant. And I feel like what yeah, getting them I have to ask you, so you said that's so poetic. You uh you actually sailed into San Francisco. Yeah. Wow. wow. From where? <laughs> <laughs> the Pacific Northwest. Oh, wow. Uh, from really? As sailed down from Astoria, Oregon. I was not the only person on the boat, but I <laughs> definitely got the pleasure of coming underneath the Golden Gate Bridge and saying, I've arrived. That is such a, gr that's a great story. That sounds like it should be written in a book. It probably is written in a book. <laughs> in a couple Did things. you write a book? <laughs> no, I write a lot. Maybe but soon. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you... Um, I signed the guest book. There's a lot of people who signed that guest book coming underneath <laughs> the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> I'm number 375 this year. <laughs> so when did you sail into San Francisco? Yeah. When I was 21. 21. That's right. Okay. You said 21. Yeah. I graduated I mean, just... from Portland State University and got on a sailboat with some 
friends and sailed south. Wow. I just can't imagine. It sounds like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, I, did, I honestly, I didn't know I would be doing that. Three weeks prior to that, I had no idea that's what I would be doing. It, it had occurred, and they, I said I didn't know how to sail, and they said, that's okay, we'll teach you how to sail. And I'm like, uh, okie dokie. Yeah. I, and I, so I came, and I now sail, and I have a boat, and I'm, I can imagine what you've seen, kind of the changes over the, you know, since you, you were 21, which I guess, yeah. And now, um, have you seen anything as far as like the questionably hows? Have you seen it change? Have you seen it fluctuate from year to year? Or has it been pretty? Oh, that's, it's a, honestly, what I've seen in the years that I've been in San Francisco had a lot to do with this also. Um, again starting out on a boat and then being in a roommate situation and then having a studio apartment and then um and then you know fast forward to now to see that you just can't actually come into san francisco and just think you're going to be able to flop somewhere i mean their their roommate situations are a commodity they're not just a, a happening it's a big deal to be able to get a room <clears throat> And it really changes the kind of people you see on the street. I mean, having raised our son in our neighborhood and really noticing that the the diminishing number of families and the f you know the, there's just a lot less diversity in the population when it can only be a particular income bracket. Yeah, it's um it's really interesting how this market. It's just, you know, $1,700 for a room now seems to be the, the going rate. And that's a good deal, it seems like. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's just like you mentioned, there's so many people that are spending all this money. It's like paycheck to paycheck. And um, I don't know. I mean, some folks are one paycheck away from being like filing for bankruptcy. <laughs> Pretty much. And in today in thinking about that, I was like, I was, had some time to do some research thinking about what we would be talking about. So I thought, well, I wonder what they're doing in Hong Kong. So I spent some time researching Hong Kong. And the first thing that came up was Hong Kong cage housing. Well, what's cage housing? Well, literally, people are living in, not just in a room in an apartment where regular apartments, which might have been a two-bedroom apartment, were now uh, those apartment rooms became their own apartments. So in a two-bedroom apartment, you might now have five sub-apartments that are as small as this recording studio. And you might have a whole family living in that. And all these different rooms in that apartment would be sharing the kitchen in these massive high-rises in Hong Kong, which in the research indicated that only about 3% of the surface area of Hong Kong is actually zoned for housing. But you can go up as high as you want. But the cage housing was literally the size of a bunk bed, right? You might have two, you'd have a lower one in a, in a cage and another cage on top of that, and a person would live inside that cage, and the cage was to protect their stuff. And you would have these inside apartments. And so it was really common in Hong Kong to subdivide the apartments to get them smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller so people could live in them. And I was actually searching for an apartment that I'd seen in a magazine a couple years ago where someone had probably the size of this studio and had their kitchen in a column. It was about a 20-inch square column where the refrigerator was on the bottom and then there was like a sink and then a stove and then the dishes and stuff. So it looked like a column in his apartment. 
just to look at interesting ways of people doing small stuff. But for 1700 bucks in Hong Kong, you're going to get a bedroom turned into an apartment. And in Japan, there was a six-meter apartment, so literally a meter is a little bigger than a yard, and it was about 16 feet deep. And it actually had a ladder to a little sleeping little loft above the door, and she was paid about 700 bucks for a meter-wide oh, slice. Wow. <laughs> that, oh my goodness, that you wow. couldn't touch the your arms would be like this and I'm like and she was an Australian young lady and she was being interviewed by a guy from Australia who was interviewing uh, was like living big in tiny spaces was his website and so this was an interview with her because that's what's going to happen these cities are denser Tokyo's and you know Japan's a series of islands Hong Kong is an island we're basically an island What's it going to look like? Uh, if you've ever been to Greenwich Village in New York and been in some of those, you know, Tiny, narrow is yeah. the studio, once again, uh, apartments where two or three people live in them and shift and, and, and have different schedules so they can be in the unit at a different time than someone else. Uh, a friend of ours is a flight attendant. She once had a place in Greenwich Village. and Or even in, golly, another place we were at where it was really tiny was in Georgetown in Washington, D.C. And people have always known how to live in really small spaces. In Philadelphia, there's really tiny spaces. And in Portland, Oregon, back after World War, around World War II, they were, it was becoming a, a shipbuilding became really big, Swan Island in Portland, Oregon. And the city pretty much threw out all its building codes. So for a period of time, there was a lot of really unique housing being built that didn't have to adhere to any code beyond get it built as fast as you can so we can bring people to the city to be part of the shipping industry. And then, of course, they put all the codes back on, and then you go around Portland and you go, how come there aren't more houses that look like that? Or like a, it would be a courtyard set of apartments, but the apartments were like a, you know, a two- or three-bedroom apartment might only be 700 square feet. Because right now, if you had a three-bedroom apartment that was 700 square feet, it might be pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway. You know, I'm just, sorry, I riffed on that. No, that's <laughs> great. No, I was thinking, you know, when you said the three meter in the room with the upstairs, I just like had this visual. I just, I don't know. I mean, though that we have a lot of fire codes here in San Francisco, I'd, I've also seen some very tiny um, living situations too, but that sounds like, and when you're talking about living in a cage, I mean, that just sounds like alcatraz you know <laughs> it, it, it honestly looked like it but then they're showing the streets in hong kong i mean who is going to be the one making that you know fried squid on the street corner right they living there in the island and you have to keep that population there because they're doing everything that everybody needs i mean you want to come buy your cup of tea you want to buy that food you want to buy from the hawkers you want to buy you know, the little, you know, the keychains or whatever. You, that's just the way it is. Where are those people coming from, right? In Hong Kong, man, I've only flown into there. But um, in any real city, they keep the spectrum of the people. They, what they, what it looked like to me was that instead of being homeless, and they, Hong Kong did have homeless, about 1,500 it said in the number, but it could be anything, um, that... Instead of that, these people doing these low income jobs were finding a way to stay roofed, to not be homeless, to be that part of the working class people who worked at the least paying jobs. 
and stayed housed. That's what it looked like. That was what I was seeing, yeah. how they took care of the people at the bottom end of the, the work pool. See that? Yeah, you know what is, uh, you mentioned 1,500 people in Hong Kong is huge. That's actually not too bad. How many, what's the homeless count here? 7,000. About 7,000. 7,000. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, we have some work to do. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here. <laughs> well, a lot of things have to change. I was, if it was, um, so many things have to change. And if you, one of the things I was reading, it was from the Bloomberg report. And it was um, how if California doesn't change something about the type of jobs that they're creating here, there will be an absolute crisis. There will be a breakdown. And I'm like, would it look exactly like what we have going on now? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know what? It, it's At one point, so when I first moved into the city, I lived in the Tenderloin. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there was times where I felt like it was getting better. And other times it was just like this wave where it just, it was better and then it wasn't. And it was just, maybe they just had, yeah. What so. did it feel like when it felt better and felt worse? What did you think was increasing or decreasing inside the population there? I'm not sure. It was, um, I'm, I think what it is, and I, you know, I'm just not my area, but I live next to a hostel mm-hmm. and there was just this revolving door of, of, of people. So you'd see new people. Um, I really don't know what, maybe it was the weather <laughs> could have been potentially the weather, but I was just like, Oh wow. You know, I'm walking down Geary street and it's like, it's clean and I don't see any homeless people. And then the next day I was like, Oh wow. This, you know, Geary oh. actually pretty, pretty good street. But yeah. <laughs> a lot happens on Geary yeah. street. <laughs> You know, it could be, you know, I mean, you could just imagine all the different reasons that it would ebb and flow, right? I mean, maybe there was, maybe there was an influx of drugs or maybe there was a reason for the street to be cleaned or, you know, maybe they were moving people around or something like that. Because there's all kinds of like reasons that, that people become pawns. I can't say any, but when I see like, oh, well, there's an encampment today, there's not an encampment today. And you know, the encampment's not disappeared, you know, it's just gone somewhere else. And, uh yeah, no, that's neat. You lived in the Tenderloin. Were you in one of the hostels? I actually lived um, at an apartment building that was originally a hotel. It was built back in 1927. I moved there. I was on the 11th floor of this 11-story building um, and had an amazing view. Um, that's I'm a, I'm a sucker <laughs> for a view. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. I there were in the ad, there were, you know... They were calling it Lower Knob Hill. <laughs> no, that is such it's a funny... The, that's the tender a, knob. That's what it is. Oh my goodness, the first time I heard that, I'm just like, oh no, no. And it's like, that's what it is. I felt like you couldn't call the tenderloin because people are an argument about what that is. Or you couldn't call it Lower Knob Hill. So it was um, it was a really old building. It's a, was it nine, I lived at, it was at 935 Geary Street, a place called The President. And it had one of those old kind of doors for the elevator it was like twilight zone getting on that i remember uh some of my my friends and family members um from back home bringing them there they're like oh my gosh justin what did you do why did you move here like uh did you have a studio yeah it was a studio um it was technically an efficiency studio um so i don't know it was um, one burner or two it was (laughs) it was one burner it was uh (laughs) 
I don't know though. I mean, like it was it was funny because I didn't have a full like stove, but um, the the people that came over to visit, I was like, hey, you know what? Folks are making fire with twigs and rocks. At one point, it's not like you can't cook because you don't have a stove. You know. Right. Well, that's that's you know, if there's ever a reason to have a microwave, it is cleaner, right? You're yeah. It's all inside the little box. It's not all over the top of the stove. <laughs> it's not all over the burner. It's not on the sterno stove. It's all contained inside the box. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like I was going to have a Thanksgiving dinner over there or anything. You know, maybe potentially. Um, Swanson's but. turkey, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it was, um, it was a really just a, a change and you know what I realized, you know, in the tender, I feel like that is a really condensed like area of where the homeless or the, you know, where that's it is. happening. It is the most densely populated homeless, uh, population in the city. Yeah. And I just, I, I think it's interesting too. And you know, like you could be in the tenderloin, but on the good side of this street and you see it all happening over there. So depending on which side of the street you live on, mm-hmm. like, um, Geary Street, I felt like it was because there was enough traffic, you know, going on the street all night yeah. <laughs> that it was fine. But then Post Street, which is a, a block up in the right, to, you know, in the, on the hill. Yeah. Is that a hill? I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah. It uh, is hill. <laughs> that I felt like there was a little bit more action rip you know riffraff on post street versus geary street Oh, because there was less traffic yeah i just i just some really yeah and i know that you know we've seen i've seen your site and that we've received you know as a city have received some donations but i feel like this isn't something you could just throw money at you know and since you know being a um a resident here and actually being on the ground and seeing what's what's happening we could actually do something about it um i see that um well it's it's the city's problem actually everybody who's on the sidewalk is the city's responsibility okay so when we walk out there we're the city's responsibility you fall down and hurt yourself many people do right they have a whole process for getting your broken ankle taken care of you know um so the city's responsible for all those people out there and in order to provide a solution, systematic solution, uh, reasonable solution, um, reasonable band-aid. You have to look at so many things. I think the navigation centers, having watched this, you know, evolve since Gavin Newsom and before uh, when he was, he had Project Homeless Connect, there was, that was the beginning of getting a grip on the identities of these people. And I think that's really important to know who they are. And I think it's really valuable information to know that so many of them, the majority of them, had lived in San Francisco as homeowners, as people, you know, living inside the city legitimately and have thusly become homeless. It's not like you could send them somewhere else, you know, if somebody, people, you know, tried to do that, you know, give them a bus ticket to Denver or something like that, or Denver gives them a bus ticket to here or whatever the story is. Um, Just last week, I went and visited the Here There camp in Berkeley. I got permission by somebody who I'd met at the tiny home show in Richmond. So we did, we took the canvas house on the road in October. So we were in Richmond and we were in San Luis Obispo at at the tiny footprint show down there. And the, and then, and then from Richmond, I met um, a gentleman who lived in the most beautiful truck 
<laughs> this most beautiful truck. It looked like a meditation Zen center. And this is what this gentleman lived in. And I said, wow, this is really neat. And, and we talked, and he said he was involved with the different homeless communities because he lived near them. He lived in this truck. And so I went and visited this camp on um, Adeline. Okay. Oh, yeah, and that's near, in Oakland? In, or is in, in, in South Berkeley. South Berkeley, yeah. And um, wow. So I got, you know, he kind of got permission to bring me there. Okay. So I got to meet some people that were living in tents. And this was a, an encampment that's been there for almost two years. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so you've got this tent village being being on the side of the road there. It's a busy road. Ever been up Adeline? That's like six lanes of traffic. Yeah, that's yeah. like serious. Next to BART. Okay, so it's sandwiched between BART and six <sighs> lanes of traffic. And the BART is right next to the fence. So it's very noisy. You've got the real noise from this traffic, which is right off your curb, or you've got the real noise from the BART that is right on the other side of the fence. And you've got 20 tents. You've got a community tent, and you've got the refrigerator. You've got all these solar panels, and I thought it was many things. And I got to talk to a few of the people that were residing in these tents. And one story was actually about a microwave. You can't have a microwave because they wanted all the food stuff to take place in the food kitchen, and that's where they had the microwaves over there, and they had the refrigerators over there. Um, and then there was only certain kinds of heaters they could have because I think the whole thing only off there. They were powering the whole thing from the solar panels. These big, like, oh, you know, yeah. like maybe six foot by four foot solar panels. And the city of Berkeley was letting them stay there because they were well behaved. The place was clean. It was tense. They're on the ground. But the place was really tidy and everything was staked off nicely and they were self-governing. And I talked to the gentleman who was more or less governing the whole thing. And he could only talk for a few minutes because he then had to deal with some intergroup politics. <laughs> Oh, jeez. What'd you expect? Because yeah. he was his objective was to keep the place clean and sober, which was a really good idea. And they also got some support from the, um, the the that group that deals with clean and sober people over in the vicinity of their their campment. So it was they were very conscientious. They were very grateful to be where they were at. They invited me to come and stay in their smallest tent. <laughs> so I think I'll bring my canvas oh, yeah. house. Thank you. <laughs> Airbnb. <laughs> Airbnb. Oh, my gosh. And I said, what's it like when it rains? I said, you don't want to know. When it rains, it's really bad. I think I've actually driven by, is it by Ashby Bart? Is that... Alcatraz? Is that near Alcatraz? Yes. Yeah. 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 I saw it's the solar here and there is the name of it. It actually has big words near it. It says here and there. That's great. I feel like to have a dry, you know, uh, you know, what was that? The right? Transitional mm -hmm. community. I think that's great. You know, we kind of talked about the whole mental illness thing. I feel like, you know, drinking or drugs, that's some sort of self-medication for, for something else. And um, that is that is awesome. I, I you know, I've driven by it, but I didn't know the story behind it. I think I'd seen the solar panels and I saw the tents and I was like, whoa, what's going on here? It's established, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know I've seen quite a few of those uh, tent communities here in San Francisco, one was on Cesar Chavez, right mm -hmm. under the freeway right there. Exactly. I yeah. think, you know what, some of these tent communities, I be I wonder if those is it, if it's being organized by someone or in that particular case it was, but and and they had come from somewhere else. They were actually apparently within a mile and then they they got to move to that location. 
I can only speak for that one, right? I agree with you. When you look at some of those larger communities, are they being, you know, is, are they organized? You know, how organized are they? And, you know, it's, we're, we're watching the solution happen, right? Whatever solution is occurring, we're watching it happen. And if the fact that you can actually have a little self-governing tent community is a part of the solution, that's better than nothing. You know what I mean? That they can self-govern and keep it clean enough. The city had put an outhouse out there with, with uh, a water, a pump, a pump water thing for washing their hands. It certainly was urban camping. It certainly was not canvas houses. Okay. I mean, canvas houses you can walk into and you can lock the door and you can either go in and go about your business or leave and go about your business and come back and it's secure. Um, that's what it was lacking, right? The only security they had was the fact that they were in a place that was not going to be bulldozed, which is still too scary for normal functioning. If yeah. If you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what the, I feel like, you know, with the canvas housing, I mean, said, I mean, this isn't going to be blown over in the wind or anything and it's safe from weather conditions too. So, um, that's, that's, that's great. And you know what it is? It's, I mean, of course, like you see, you know, um, a community of questionably housed, uh, with the, with tents. And I feel like the majority of people, they just see it at a face value and they're like, Oh, you know, this homeless problem is, is an issue and they run from it. Um, but I feel like maybe, I mean, that, uh, Berkeley, um, hear their camp. Yeah. Hear their camp. I mean, that maybe the, these communities are not as, you know, scary as people <laughs> think they are, you know, I, I think the what the, the scary part really is the thought that you might end up in one. That's really scary. And once you get into it, I suppose it's like, uh, I don't know, like standing, you know, like I want to use an analogy, like you're in Siberia or something. Once you're actually in Siberia, you're okay with Siberia, <laughs> but you, you probably don't want to be in Siberia, right? You learn how to, to, to navigate it, but that's not where you want to be, to be safe and healthy and, you know, going about your day without feeling like that if you turn your back, you're going to get, you know, your stuff stolen. You know, that's the, when I was driving up from Hayward yesterday and looking at the um, it seemed like mile after mile of homeless camping along just on the other side of the, the train tracks as I was heading north. I was like, wow, what, basically you're looking at shanty towns. You're looking at, you know, India or the Philippines or something, right? You know, what's going to be the next, what's this going to look like in five years, right? And you kind of, I look at stuff like that and go, well, what do you want it to look like in five years? What what would be the optimum situation for that in five years or 10 years? With the population increasing, the ratio of jobs to housing going in, an, in a not advantageous direction, you know, with the objective to eliminate lower paying jobs, which eliminates jobs that people can have. Not everybody's going to graduate from college, nor do they need to. And again, you know, there are people out there that are homeless that are college graduates, right? Yeah. What should it look like? And of course, I don't have a solution for that, right? I imagine well, you know, if you threw a couple hundred canvas houses along that hillside, would, would it benefit people? And I thought, well, it would benefit people if people looked at it like something to be 
a decision to be proud of, right? That you're p- making people secure, that people can stay in something, that they don't have to feel like they're going to be moved out, bowled over, um, have their possessions taken away from them. It sort of is like you need to look at life a little differently. Like from wherever you came from and where I came from, we weren't living on the third floor of anything wherever we came from. I was living in a house in Portland. I mean, where were you from? I am from the East Bay. I'm from Castro Valley. I was raised on a cattle ranch, actually. Yeah, yeah not not the tenderloin, <laughs> right? So when you Different come to San Francisco, <laughs> you you accept that you will not be living like how you lived wherever you were before, right? And so maybe we're heading into the future where your choices of living are different than what they were 20 years ago, or 15 years ago. You know, you go to the big city, you start living in apartments when you lived in houses before. And, you know, you look at Hong Kong and you go, well, they've, those apartments were not built as five apartments. They were built as one apartment and now they're five apartments. And in my traveling through Europe and stuff, I've certainly seen apartments that have been sliced up. Definitely over the last hundred years, people have been slicing up apartments. I mean, you look at, okay, look at the Haight-Ashbury, right? Massive, beautiful houses. How many apartments in each of them now? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. However, you know, whatever the number was that they chose to chop up a house to be, right? Are they going to chop them up again? Well, certainly. Because why not, right? You need to do something. And then it comes back to zoning laws that will allow you to do things like that. I guess that's what to hope for, right? Is that they will allow people to... Uh, look at like Portland did when they wanted more people to live there. You've got to pull off the rules and let the people, you know, sift back into the housing, right? Instead of saying only one person can live such and such or only two people can live such and such, maybe you just double all the numbers and say we've now increased our housable, housable, pe- housable square footage in the city from this to we've now... It's like... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I could see that, and I know exactly where you're, these old Victorians are like, oh wow, this is a big, beautiful house, and you walk in, and it's all sectioned off, and they got, you know, they have different rooms. I know that um, Janice Joplin, I think, was was on on the Panhandle too. I wonder what that place is now. I mean, there's this a uh, picture of her up in um, um, what is it? Uh, what is it the Rock Cafe? What I can't think of. It. Hard Rock Cafe on the Pier Thirty Nine. There's a picture of her. It's like, where was that picture taken? I lit. She was in the attic of this place, and she was, you know, a lot of these artists back then were probably, you know, questionably you know, floaters or absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But the, I mean, the idea of them being floaters, the cost of stuff back then was so much less, right? I mean, and you were probably, you know, what I don't know what it would cost to rent an attic in the in, in, in the Haight-Ashbury. I had a friend, and when I came to the city, we had jobs downtown in the Transamerica building, and she had a half an attic. She had a turret on her <laughs> <laughs> on her end of her attic, and uh, it was on Page Street, and I think she was paying, you know, back in the day, you know, four or 500 bucks for that, you know, half an wow. attic, right? I don't even, I'm not sure if it had a kitchen. I just remember being enamored with the turret. <laughs> Yeah, oh my goodness, I want yeah. a turret. How come I don't get a turret? No one ever gave me a turret. <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, you were talking about, yeah, so I, it's interesting, you know, like you had mentioned, there's some people that went to college that got a degree and they're homeless. So, and the people are homeless and, and, you know, for different reasons. And I think that is maybe 
more of a focused um, issue. What it is is that every every individual and why they're in this place that they're in is for a different reason. We all have different backgrounds and we all are, end up in a place for a reason. So to actually, I like the idea of having a more sophisticated kind of transitional home because you could figure out what someone's situation is individually and get them on a plan, you know, to get off the street. One of the homeless people I spoke with at the, at the Berkeley homeless camp, the gentleman was college educated. He was a, as he put it, a vocational arts teacher. I was like, oh, that's so sad. That's what I studied was vocational arts, technical arts, which was, I studied architecture and I studied pattern making and I studied mechanics and I studied things like that back in high school, back when they had things like that in high school. And I got to say my high school education was to me probably the most valuable thing I've ever done because I got to learn how to use spending four years drawing and working with tools and building stuff. But here's this gentleman who was close to 70, right? Retirement age. He was a teacher. He was educated. He'd come from Texas, lived in LA, had family in California. And there he was living in a tent right there on Adeline. And in his dome tent, he, I, don't, I didn't ask him if, if he provided his own tent, which would be a question. I do have his email. I'd actually like to ask him that because he had a bed in there that was made out of like four by fours. So it was off the ground in case it was raining. Okay. Yeah. Inside a dome tent. And there was a chair and a couple countery things in there. But he was a man, you know, over 60. That's the kind of person that I would want to put in a canvas house, get them off the ground because a canvas house has a foundation. It has a door. It has a table that, that, um, has two, it's called a, di- a dinette with a settee. So you can, two people yeah. can sit in there talking at a table and drop the table down until it becomes a bunk for one. And that's the kind of thing where a elderly person can sit there and talk to somebody in a tab- at a table privately in their room as long as they want. And then that person leaves and it converts to their own private bedroom. Yeah. It's really cozy. I remember um, actually being in one and talking to you over the table. It's really... Yeah, you you guys need it. All the listeners, you're gonna go check this out. You need to check out the site and see that. I mean, it it's it's cozy. It feels like home, you know. <laughs> and and the gothic shape of it is really nice. So it's not there aren't any sharp corners in it. You know, it's it is fun to be inside. I enjoy sitting inside and talking to people all day long. So maybe maybe next time we'll have our have your little radio show. We'll, we'll put one in front of your radio station here and we can be so sit awesome out there and talk in it yeah you know as i mentioned you said there was a shed program i like there's a window in in this canvas house so you you're you're it's a little home where you can look out the the window you know yeah. um and when you walk in you look straight at the back and there's a window in the back so you've got you don't have that claustrophobic you're walking into a box feeling mm-hmm. and so the bed folds up and then it turns into a, a table so then if you know someone could read a book or they could have someone over it's um it's really welcoming you know yeah and that's but you have to see it to believe it you have to walk inside and go oh this is comfortable oh this is really nice oh okay i'm comfortable this is not it's not plastic chairs <laughs> it's four inch upholstered foam um in my conception it, that you would probably replace the cushions once the 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 the, the tenant uh, moved on, right? The only thing you'd have to ever replace if there was a question like that would be the upholstery, and that's very easy to replace. The 
inside of it is the furniture is built actually out of steel and the walls are fiberglass on the inside. You can pressure wash the inside of the house. So if some something, you know, just just the regular, you know, the soil of living in there, you can clean it. Or you can scrub it with a scrub brush or whatever, but it's basically fireproof. It's got it's uh, the walls are solid. There comes with a fire extinguisher and a smoke alarm and the egress window and a locking front door and comfortable upholstery and solid steel furniture. And if they want to put a composting toilet in there, we have those. And it has solar panels and it can have, uh, you know, 110 power. So it's it's very adaptable. It's just like a boat. It's kind of, yeah. <laughs> a, boat, a boat floats, this thing should almost float. Yeah, you could do that with a boat and be out in the, the bay I mean, and have that on land. I mean, this undestructible almost, really. Yeah, that's, I think about stuff like that. I think, you know, if you had a house that was not attached to the ground in such a way, during an earthquake, the earthquake would happen, the house would be fine. You really need to anchor to the earth. What if your foundation was so good you didn't have to do anything other than just have your house resting like a container on the ground, right? If, literally like a container, but containers are one building method. But there are certainly earthquake, earthquake proof. A container is, and so are these. Yeah, destructible. Can't it can't get blown over? Nobody's going to be able to blow it over. <laughs> yep, it's can't cozy. knock it over. It's cozy. Do you have any any upcoming events? Uh, we're working on an event for December, but I don't have a date yet. Nice. Yeah, but we'll you will know. Closed. You'll be the first to know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you want to record live from our event or something. Yeah, I think I will. I'm definitely gonna. Um, I'm definitely gonna have to do that. I. Uh, I was. I was at Liz's event uh, at Pier 23. Now that was really fun. There. Uh, yeah, that was really. It was a good display. Great display. Thank you. We had two of the canvas houses there, so we figure wherever we put a. Uh, to introduce the canvas house to potential areas that would be interested in putting a canvas house community. We want to bring a canvas house and have an open house and let the neighborhood and let the people who, you know, are in contact with a piece of property come up to it and enjoy it and sit inside it. And we'll provide the party in the canvas house. We'll have an open house there for all the people to check it out and see that it's a quite a appropriate transitional dwelling that nobody should be afraid of. Transitional. That is the word. Yeah, because this the homelessness thing is just going to I mean, go away. I mean, like, it's just a face value when you call someone homeless. It's just a face kind of value. It's like almost stereotype. It's just they're people, and everyone's homeless for a different reason. Right. They're and, all in transition. Yeah. You know, they're all in transition. Jim Carrey was in transition. Bob Dylan was in transition. They're some of the most brilliant artists of yeah. all time you know yeah yeah no, we all were you were i mean you know when you first you know when you when you land somewhere and you don't know what you're supposed to do you're you're in transition and it, and it's not abnormal i mean it's just been that way forever a sailor comes off a ship in a harbor it takes a while to figure out where they're supposed to be you know or someone arrives in a town and you with you know a pickup truck and 500 bucks in your back pocket where are you supposed to be you don't know where you're supposed to be and the problem really is if you don't have transitional housing by not providing it you are creating homeless people and when you're 
eliminating your stock of housing, you're creating the homeless population. That's the problem. You need to provide ways for people to not become homeless. Because once you become homeless, it becomes harder and harder, the numbers show it, to get off the street. The longer you're out there, the harder it is for you to come off the street. And I believe that, you know, having been a sailor and stuff, I know when, you, when you're traumatized, when you're living in a, a, the stress of just being on the high sea, for example, or imagine if you were sleeping in a homeless encampment, you're living in fear. You can't just get up in the morning where there's no shower and go get yourself a job where you don't have a return address. You can't do that. There's so many things wrong with being homeless that even something as small as a canvas house can solve a percentage of it, right? It can bring someone off the ground. They are not sleeping on the ground or touching the ground. They're insulated. They've got privacy. They're warm. They can get their wits about them. They can relax. And I don't mean relaxing like you're leaning on a street corner <laughs> and then sleeping on the street corner. That's not relaxing. That's just Scary. counting hours, being scared. Whether they know they're scared or not, you know, because we're all brave. But bravery isn't necessary when you're, you need to find a job. You need to have to, your wits about you and not be in flight or fight. Right? We want people to be rational and enjoy the day for all that matters, you know. Yeah, and I'd be interested to, to see kind of these shelters around because, I mean, obviously it's, like I said, it comes in waves. It, if you're actually on the inside of that shelter, what's going on behind that those doors? Are they, you know, is there multiple people living in the same room? Is it, you know, so I I really think that this is so brilliant, um, and it's a great. I mean, it's a brilliant idea, and uh, and you're uh, if you saw one of these in person, you would freak out. I definitely did. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just getting one because it's so cool. <laughs> well, you know, um, we could put one in your apartment and you could rent it out to somebody. They would fit in your apartment. We did make them so they do not exceed eight feet, so it'll fit in the average building. I'm really glad that you said that because I was <laughs> thinking that. But yeah, no, that's great. We yeah. were talking to someone in Ohio, in Toledo, Ohio, about the idea of if they put these inside the warehouse where they're putting the homeless people, then we could give those people their own private room. And they, we began that conversation last week. So we'll continue that conversation because that's kind of what it was designed for too. It, mm -hmm. it is instantaneous, private, insulated room, whether it's outside or inside. Let's get people off the street. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do let's it. Get to a new renaissance of time and space. Let's let's kind of solve the homeless thing and not push people out of transitional housing until they have something to transition into, and and identify the people that need mental health care. I mean, you can't let the system by default take care of all the mental health patients. And mental health has a lot to do with not having a stable place to be. You know, that's, that's a whole nother topic, but people need stability. Yeah, there's so many different factors. And I mean, I, I saw on your site, like there's so, been so many donations and it's just, well, I don't know. So I feel like what you have in place is a plan. And I don't know, I, and all the listeners, it's like homeless it's a it's a face value. Um, they're on transition. These people living on the street, and you're just gonna get them in transition. And um, and what you're doing is so great. And thank you. Um, you're welcome for coming on the show. I know. Um, you said you're a Bob Dylan fan, huh? 
Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right, Liz. Hey, thank Diaz. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and you can, uh, find, uh, was it canvashouses.org. Go check it out. It's going to be up on the, um, the JW Megawig show, um, and a link as well. And we are going to close out the show with your favorite, um, Bob Dylan.
Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Harris, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 1969 gold Cadillac with the white material. And, and I started to do some thinking. I'm having a really, really good time. Black, black, black. Smoking big spliffs and cruising. I am a total freak. 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 I am a I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a
Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> C- 
Subliminal SF Visual and Auditory Mind Control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Hey, you open micer in San Francisco comedy scene. Maybe you want time to do jokes. Well, this is the place to do it. Mutiny Radio. We have three open mic a week just for you. Monday's joke workshop from 6 to 8. Come and get four minutes and four minutes of commentary from your comedian peers. Come on Fridays for happy hour 6 to 8 here at Mutiny Radio. All the comics, wonderful, hilarious people in the scene. Get to know them. Hang out. Do a set. Have it recorded here on a podcast at mutinyradio.fm and come in on Saturdays from 4 to 6. Get long sets because no one ever shows up. So it's like stage time and people can listen. Come on by to Mutiny Radio. Get your comedy on, baby. Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the edge of insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh, Kim Marie, Brandon Ray, and Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRcollective.org. We'll see you there. Let's watch a full-length movie with Mike Spiegelman. Here on MutinyRadio.fm, where we stream live every Sunday at 2 p.m. Today is November 10th, 2019, and my name is Mike Spiegelman. November 4. No. <sighs> Let's try this again. Today is Sunday, November 10th, 2019. How do you do that? You just slam a time machine. It's great. I love it. Don't call attention. This is pre-recorded. I'm here uh, live in the studio, in the flesh, Carl. Right. And I'm in Georgia at a wedding. <laughs> That's where you're going to be. Well, we want to welcome you to the show. 
how do I explain? How do we explain the premise? Mm, mm. Right. Yes. What is? I mean, you hear "Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube," and you just don't know. What you does think, it mean? man, I should rip that idea off. Well, go ahead. I dare you. <laughs> You're not the first. We stole it first. Yeah, we 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 came up with the idea to steal it first. Uh, but enough bitter grapes. We're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. The idea is that these are movies that we read about, never got to see until they got posted on YouTube. Some of them are so special that it's impossible to watch on your own. They're so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, hey, uh, not to change the subject, what movie are we watching today? Wait, aren't you going to do the L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-G blogspot.com and all that? Yes. We want you to subscribe uh, our podcast. So go to your podcast machine, simply type in L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's the name of our Twitter account. That's the name of our YouTube account. Uh, our Facebook is Let's Watch Full Length Movie on YouTube. And we're on Blogspot. Let's Watch Full Length Movie on YouTube.blogspot.com. Not been uh, updated. Anyway. What can I tell you about that? So, uh, Carl, what is the movie we're going to watch today? Try, stop delaying okay. it. Let's watch this already. All right. We are going to watch Cars Life 2. C-A-R apostrophe S Life 2. Uh, and I recommend Night Owl. All right. Let's three see. L's. Ooh. Okay. There's Night Owl. Three L's. Cars Life 2. DVD rip. Mm-hmm. So many things wrong with that. Full movie in parentheses, Cars Life 2, apostrophe S, and hosted by Night Owl. Owl. Now, I got to say that I know this movie because it is a staple. If you have premium cable and you have, like, the multiple channels, they tend to fill out the day by airing not a Bug's Life, not Cars 2, (laughs) a Cars Life 2. Right. Oh, my God. That sounds so odious. Oh, boy. So you watched this, huh? Oh, yeah. And you took meticulous notes. <laughs> I took notes, all right. This movie is like the bottom of the pile. Like, I, 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 have, a, I have a movie in my mind, which will be our final movie, but this would be mm-hmm. our penultimate movie in my list of things. You know? Like, we're wrapping it up. We just don't give a shit. Let's watch A Car's Life too. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we've watched Godfather, we've watched Terminator, we've we've done. Yeah, we watched some good movies, but not tonight. This ain't one of them. Oh, speaking of which, I accidentally hit the wrong button. Uh, as we chit chat, I am getting ready to uh, get our countdown prepared. Should have done this before okay. I walked in. Wouldn't that be better? There's so many different yeah, movie well, choices on well, here. Well, oh, I did it again. I keep hitting futz. Let's watch. A- we don't want to watch futz. <laughs> Futs is one of the movies that's on our YouTube channel, but we have... Yeah. We're going to do the countdown. Normally, we do this in person with Paul Brumbaugh, the uh, mm-hmm. uh, able-bodied mouth breather before us, but he is the not here. The Countdown King. So, uh, I got a demo. So, so, let's listen to the Countdown King's Paul's intro, and when he gives you the cue, go ahead. We want you to get Cars Life 2 ready. You have it Buffered paused. Up. Buffered up. Zero, 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 zero. And when Paul gives you the go-to, go to it. 
As soon as we're done buffering. All right, so let's get this started. I am I am ready. It was a live show. We're very excited to have Paul here as our countdown gentleman. Let's get ready to Brumba. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to Brumba. Okay, so let's get ready to Brumba. And now, what you've all been waiting for, master of the descending numerals, the countdown king himself. Would you please welcome Mr. Paul Brumbaugh? All right, guys, you know the drill. Put that finger right over that triangle and do it in three, two, one, go. All right. Thank you, Paul Brumbaugh. We are launched. Yes. Spark plug. It looks like a pile of poop on top of pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> on top of pancakes. Yeah. Where else would poop be? Oh, this looks... Uh, Real list. I thought this was an animated movie. This is real life. Wow. Here comes our hero, the not red lot, car. Not a lot of traffic today. Well, the interstate isn't coming through, you see, and that's going to be part of the uh, plot. The interstate's going to come through. No, we don't. Oh, no. These are cars talking, by the way. This is in, like, puppets. They're driving, like, four miles per hour. Yeah, because Dad wants to go the speed limit. Uh, so, let's, uh, you've seen the movie Cars, maybe Cars 2, Cars 3. Mm -hmm. The logic between the, the world is, is baffling, right? Yeah, I'm sure, like, <clears throat> they have these uh, racing lots where the bleachers are can fit parked cars. Right. And one car has a, of course, one famous car has a mattress tied to its top. For who? So. I, I couldn't tell you, but see, if there was no Cars movie, no Cars 2 movie, no Cars 3 movie, this movie would not exist because this guy, his name is Michael Shelp. And he's CEO of Sparkplug Entertainment. And he basically, whatever Pixar's doing or whatever the animated hit is, he makes his own titled version. It's his own movie, right. but with the same title. So can I guess uh, with a couple? With a knockoff title. Can I guess a couple of his movies? Oh, okay. So um, you have Bots. An Ant's Life. What's that based on? A Bug's Life. You have Spider's Web, A Pig's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Charlotte's Web? Is it Charlotte's yeah. Web? Oh my you God. have Pig's um, Tale. You, you have Plan B. Plan B. Oh, that's when he knocked up his wife and they weren't really expecting to have kids, so she took this pill. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, of course, that's the B movie. There's Piper Penguin and his fantastic flying machines. Wait, wait, back up. Plan B is a ripoff of the B movie? Yeah, B-E-E, <laughs> 2007. Ooh. There's Frankie Stein. Uh-huh. This is Frankie Weenie. There's Operation Dalmatian. Right. Is it that 101 Dalmatians? Toys Going Wild. Oh, yeah, that's where uh, Woody takes his shirt off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. For the Adventures beads. of Scooter the Penguin. And me, Christmas. I don't know. He's just, uh, he's shameless about it. He's not embarrassed about it at all. Well, I mean, kids gotta be got to be entertained. 
it's Walmart and Kmart. You already mentioned uh, Stars Premium Cable Channel. Yeah, I saw this movie like every hour on the hour, mm-hmm. which is yep. baffling because there's nothing to look at. I know. <laughs> God damn it, Dad. Can't you fucking pull over? <laughs> oh, right. Sparky, the language. Yeah, it's Sparky. That's exactly right. And Sparky is actually played... Uh, by, by nobody. Somebody, by a, no, by a big deal. The rest of them are nobodies. Sparky's a big deal? Yes, yeah, Sparky was... Uh, her name is Corrine. Corrine Orr. Corrine? And she was <laughs> Trixie in Speed Racer in the 60s. Oh, no shit. She's been on over 200 animated movies, a thousand commercials. She's the Snuggie, you know, fabric softener, Snuggie the bear. She's oh, Snuggie. Yeah. I want to hug that bear so fucking much that I can't even tell you. Yeah. You talking about the fabric softener bear? Great. Oh my yep. god! I just the way he laughs, I just want to squeeze the shit out of that bear. <laughs> Stop it! You're suffocating me, Mike. Oh, you're my favorite talking bear. Do you Not think- just Trixie, but she was also uh, Speed's little brother, Spurtle, oh, and yeah. all the female voices oh. in that show. So she wasn't good enough to be Racer X then, huh? Or other, his other brother. She has a female voice. She was featured as an announcer in the live-action film. She wasn't oh. Trixie. Have you it seen the live-action live movie? <laughs> That's right. I have seen it. It was fun. That's two hours. Fucking just relentless. It did. You're right about that. I, I say it was fun, and it was in retrospect. But during it, it was like, is this thing going to end? It's numbing. It's so numbing. It's like bright colors and flashiness, and I just get like... Yeah. Yeah. That track was... Like, that track was great the first 15 minutes, right? It was right. a big show. But then when you were in it over and over and but over... But they would, they would do the same effects as from the cartoon show, and you go, hey, guys, this is like an hour and 40 minutes into this movie. Enough. Enough. You should have done that in the first five minutes. Stop. All we're missing right now is grouchiness between the father and son. Um, The father is, you know, the father loves the son, uh, but the son just f***s him and drives him crazy. He wants to drive fast. He wants Route 40 to come through because he can drive fast on on the highway. Right. So basically the father's saying, okay, you want independent... Take this side road and meet us at the gas station. And here's a joke turtle. We'll see this turtle. A hundred million times, huh? Will they ever cross the road? <laughs> yes. Oh, that reminds me of There's the gas station. It's that's from cars. 50- that's the cars. That's where cars, cars. That's, that's where they gas up? 50 years. There's 50 um, years this gas pump, this animatronic gas pump has been sticking this shit into cars. <laughs> That's right. Uh, hang on, I'm not done yet. I said I'm not uh, done yet. Pump, pump, pump. Uh, right um, now he's banging the sheriff. <laughs> uh, it's always he's, gulp, gulp. Thank you, bub. <laughs> <laughs> Never a hug See, there's this um, bad car named Diesel, and there's a running gag throughout. They will go to report Diesel. Like, they'll call the police, and it's like, well, I'm not here right now. Leave a message with this stereotypical Irish voice. Oh, and the Irish cop? Then, yeah. And then the answering machine goes, beep, leave your message. And then it's like, thank you for leaving a message. It cuts them off. The running joke. <sighs> Fucking okay. cops. This, uh, this girl 
here is in love with uh, another car, and another car is in love with the girl. So there'll be a subplot throughout in which he wins the girl over. Why is there a fucking landline lying on the asphalt? I know. And when the phone rings, he goes, hello. He doesn't pick up the phone. He just starts talking to it. <laughs> right. So, You'll see. Yes. Well, maybe you won't because we're not really going to listen very much. Oh, okay, so here's the boss. The dad is the boss. And, who got and the, the yellow car is like... Yeah, the yellow car is the young daughter. The good, the good child. Right, the good child, because she's still little. Yeah, but Sparky's an asshole. We're, we're giving up right. on Sparky. He's the 15-year-old, 16-year-old. Ah, oh, the worst. When cars turn 15, they're so fucking obnoxious. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> hey, so this is a cartoon, huh? Cartoon. <laughs> it's Wolfman Jack. I'm playing on your cartoons. Playing some cartoons. We just mentioned Wolfman Jack in the last one. I know. I brought it up. Love. Well, yeah. I, if you are listening sequentially, last week we promised that this week's movie would have been a different cartoon called Tarzoon: Shame of the Jungle. Yeah. Did we watch the trailer? And we're not. We're not even going to bother. It's just so racist. It's racist. You know, you mm-hmm. can't do you can't do a parody of Tarzan apparently without just going full on racist. Well, it was seventy five, nineteen seventy five, so that was more acceptable. Right. People would still get up in arms, but the majority oh, you're being sensitive. You you're, know, be, you're so. it's parody of the stereotypes, that type of uh, bullshit. Right. It's a parody of the stereotypes. We're making fun of it as much as you. We grew up on Tarzan That's movies. That's not the truth. There is another no. animated uh, Tarzan movie from that, that time period, which I think another like comedy celebrity did the voices for. But mm-hmm. And I couldn't watch it. Like Some movies, like this is intriguing. You got cars and you got telephones and you got pumps. You got everything you need in a movie. But that was just like, it just looked like George yeah. of the Jungle. Not real. I like George of the Jungle. Okay, I want you to know that this blue car is the banker. Oh. And the father's apologizing for not paying the mortgage on time. Just things have been tough. Things have been tough. And so we're just mortgage. getting set up for things are tough and there's a bank involved. I thought this was a kid's movie. Why are cars talking about mortgages? Well, that's one of the weird things about this Michael Schlepp. Um, He is making kids' films, but he doesn't do the boundaries of nicey-nice stuff. As a matter of fact, in our Act 3, you know, ticking time bomb moment, uh, the the peril is that they're going to die. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I listened to something called Bear Lizard Radio, and they were actually complimenting this Michael Schlepp. They called him an arco-capitalist of filmmakers who has no boundaries. Um, Great. I'll have to give that. He's good at making them bad. He's shameless because you know what he's knocking off. But he makes extremely complex villains, and he does dark, dark children's stories. Characters die. They get mutilated. uh and they're praising that. Well, <laughs> and one thing they praise is that even though it's, it's the title is a knockoff, it is their own story. I guess so. I don't really see much Here's of a our story. Here's turtle friend. I, oh, it's a living. 
They're right. And here's the um, Door. good, the good car, the good kid. The, oh yeah, the good kid. Yeah, and she is looking for a ramp. And right now she's like too small, too big. Oh, yawning. So there happens to be doors lying around rocks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like, and no, she's gonna Goldilocks find one that's just right. Oh, there's that turtle. Fucking kids. I guess this is Arizona. Is it? I, it could it's be not a part Nevada, of Arizona, Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico, this but is, I think it's Arizona. It's like bedrock. Down in bedrock. Bam, bam, bam. This is the Flintstones neighborhood. They just built a gas station. No, everything would be made out of rocks. There's no metal in Flintstones world. Is there anything else happening in this town other than this gas station? Uh, we don't see it. There is the bank. There is the police yeah. station. Uh-huh. And, the hospital uh, where they, they resuscitate. <laughs> okay, finally, uh, the teenager who took the sh- long cut, is that the opposite of a shortcut? Yes. Finally is getting home, and he's like, oh, I'm tired. I need a car wash. <laughs> oh, I need a car job, if you know what I'm saying. A rib job. What? Wink, wink. A rib job for my asshole. I mean, asshole. I'm not very good at this, innuendo. <laughs> oh, a bunch of gear, metalheads, gearheads. Okay. Okay, so he has fallen in love uh-huh. with the girl who's in love with another guy. It seems like Shaft or something like that. And he's new in Shaft. town because they're building a ramp to I-40, which the father is not happy about. And the kids love because it'll be a – so he's saying, you're taking too long of a shower. And he, the, he was a jerk, and he turned on the cold water on his nice kid. Yeah, sometimes you got to do that, you know. I guess so. Yeah, listen, when your kid's in the car wash for too long, you got to change the water to cold. Now, they're having a fight now because the kid wants a GPS. And he's like, oh, you kid, with your newfangled devices. And what he's saying is a GPS person knows where they're going, but not where they are. Like... You know, like with GPS, you know, make a left, and you make a left. But you're ignorant to where you are. You're not going to remember next time you go. So he's doing old school, and the and the son is doing his smart. Let's give it a listen for a second. All right. Well, okay. that'll be easier soon. They're building an access ramp to I-40. Really? Awesome. Now I totally need GPS. You can't always have what you want. Why not? Diesel, what are you doing Okay, here? here's the bad guy. It's a woman named Diesel. She has camouflage army jeep, and she's got guns. Nice. <laughs> well, it's very important to be uh, to be holding a weapon. As so she's car. causing trouble. She's saying, like, you should rate, get your own. Okay, here the phone rings. That's the running gag. Can never leave a message for the police officer, and the cop never checks his messages. So Diesel is 
is here to stir up trouble. And she's saying to Sparky, why, you know, hey, why don't you get a job and get your own money and you can raise a cheek right to the father's face. And you don't have to listen to this old, uh, this old fossil. Well, let's listen. And buy one yourself. Excellent idea. I'm starting a new business. Oh. Is that Snuggles? Could work for me. No. Mm, no. Uh. Sparky can work here. I can. Sparky is Snuggles. I'll pay you 40 bucks a day. Wow. Okay, then. But Sparky, remember, when you can't stand it anymore. Yes. Give me a call. Boo, bad car. So she's the temptress. So, what's my job? Well, you... Rib job. <laughs> no, that's the dad. Oh, yeah, he wouldn't say that. Telling me. Right. Whoa, he it's wouldn't. daytime already. And not since tomorrow. the jerk has I seen such funny oil cans at a gas station. Yeah, that was funny. He this, hates those cans. These cans are defective. One of the movies you can see on YouTube, and I talked about it on my brother's podcast called Proudly Resents, Hardly Working with Jerry Lewis, which I think after oh. The Jerk came out, he said, you know what? I'm the fucking king. I can make my own movie. And he has right. his own working at a mechanic uh, oil can bit. And came out the same year. His bit is that he knocks over the cans. Mm-hmm. And the owner looks at him. I really like how Jerry Lewis made that transition from uh, goofy guy to angry old person. You mean on screen? You know or, what I mean? Or backstage? <laughs> well, you know, he was such a jerk. We yeah. all know. Okay, this is a very explosive can of, I don't know why they have it around. It's explosive. Be careful. Oh, right, because it has a big exclamation point. And what's with the circle and, and X? Is that like a PlayStation controller? I don't think so. I think it just means danger. Uh oh. Whoops. Whoops. He flung his Sparky. You almost hit the explosive, Sparky. See, you see that? There's a uh, X button and a green circle oh, button. Oh, that's the car wash. Oh. Oh right. Circle for go and X for stop. Yeah, they're big cars. They can't really. I mean, never mind that the. How do okay, they build all this are... shit? Oh, there's the phone of mine. Hello, gas and go. Help. Excuse me. Help. I got that part. Your name? I'm Bumper. I ran out of gas. Oh, I'm sorry. Where are you? Uh, I think he sounds of, uh, like John Mulaney. Let's see. The two <laughs> pines campsite. Yeah, you ever notice? Starts <laughs> doing his act. Yeah, that's a weird telephone. They don't have to pick it up, and it's loud. Nope. How did, like, right. does the car have a car phone? Yes, there are car phones, yes. So he didn't drive inside a glass phone booth? I... <laughs> so many questions, Carl. Okay, so right now uh, somebody is stuck, and they've run out of gas, and they're at this campsite. So instead of doing the job himself, the father thinks, I'll give my son some responsibility, and you can go rescue him. Yeah, bad so right idea. Right now he's... Giving him the directions to the campsite. Which and Sparky doesn't will. give a shit. Yeah, whatever, Dad. No, Sparky cares very much. He's going to go help somebody. Sparky's and got he's gap listening tooth. to his father. It's a chance to prove himself to his dad. Uh, what's the point? His dad's an alcoholic. 
is Janice not a gasaholic? He's a total gas. Do you see the way he drives? Trash. You smell like gas, Dad. Dad, yeah, you're an embarrasser. I'm an adult car. I can drink what I want. You want to talk about embarrassing? Now what? there's the ad for the GPS, only four hundred dollars, and he's like four hundred dollars. Bummer. This is the second uh, uh, billboard we saw. The other one just had the number two on it. Yeah, and this one just said three ninety nine with no explanation. <sighs> okay, he... so here's the first part of the directions: make okay. a right. Go down a short road, uh -huh. and then make another right to the campground. But wait a minute. The Two Pines campground sign says go to the left. Now he's like, oh, if I only had a GPS. Who do I listen to, the sign or my father? And guess what he picks? His father. Ding. <laughs> Incorrect. Oh, here we go. The wrong turn signal. Yeah, see, he's, he's – that's – uh, the director's way of showing us that he's conflicted. Oh, it's the evil truck lady. She changed. Right. Yes. Yeah. She changed diesel. She changed the sign. <sighs> diesel was in, um, her name's Jean Richard. She was in Max Saves the World 2014. Uh -huh. She was in the Royal Heist 2017. Well, and then she was in these Heist. Cars Life things. Yeah, so I guess there's more than two, right? And there must have been a real Cars Life one. I was, right. I just imagine this film was like called the Cars Life two to maximize confusion, and there was no. No, it was when Cars two came out, and when Cars three comes out, there is a Cars Life three. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank God for everyone involved. There's no Cars four. <laughs> wait, wait. There's. Oh no, I'm thinking of Toy Story. Yeah. Toy Story, the trilogy that has a fourth movie? Thanks. Right. The fourth, fourth trilogy. The fourth trilogy. Listen, if you were like, okay. if you were, uh, I don't know, Tom Hanks and this Tim Allen and this comes around once in a while, he's going to do the sequels. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. This car here is the car that, that Sparky was supposed to save. And he's getting filled up now. Diesel has opened her own gas station across the street. I'll get you, Diesel. Oh, my God. This movie is going to be gone. So there's nothing to see other than a new gas station that opened across the street. So this car just gassed up, but he's not feeling so good. He's got – she's got indigestion and uh, burping. There's something wrong with the gas. He cut it with baby laxative. Diesel – and Diesel's like, no, no, I'm sure it's just... It's not fentanyl. You'll be fine. <laughs> wow. She has guns. It's a kid's show. She has guns. Well, a lot of cars growing up in Arizona has guns on it. <laughs> Mounted in the a rear mount. <laughs> can shoot enemies as you drive away. Again, like cars, who the fuck builds these billboards and puts up the poster? Cars. Uh, I don't buy it. And I know. Me neither. Have you ever seen the Disney movies Planes? Disney's Planes? Yeah. Is, is it better than Cars Life 2? Uh, yes. Wow. But it was a ripoff of Cars. When, when Cars came out, uh, Planes suddenly showed up. Never mind that there had been that, uh, that kid's show, JJ, right? JJ, the plane. Uh, was that a Disney show? 
I don't think so. It took place in Terrytown, New York. That doesn't sound like Disney to me. Right. It was based okay, on. So, it was grounded in real in real life. No, thank you. <laughs> so right now, uh, the car tried to chat up the girl he likes, and she was like, "I'm waiting for a call from my boyfriend," and she split. Wow. Okay, so now Spark comes home and he's like, there was no Two Pines campsite. And uh, the dad is like, disappointed, disappointed, disappointed. Yeah, well, dads are allowed to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe if you weren't such a disappointment, son. <laughs> now, uh, this Michael Schlapp, he started as an executive producer on some TV shows like Mansers. On Spike TV, you probably heard of that. Uh, he did Viking, the ultimate obstacle course on ESPN. Ooh, fake sports. He did a Discovery Science Channel one, uh, and he did a Sci-Fi Channel Chase with a dollar sign for the S, huh. and a reality TV show called Tilt. But then he fell in love. With uh, ripping animation. off animated, yeah, ripping off animate other animated. He's just like typing in the dialogue into the computer, and the computer's just spitting it out for him. So now he's talking to the banker, like, I just got fired from my father's job. I need a job. And he goes, Why don't you go to the I 40 construction place? Turtle time, turtle time. So there are other animals. Yeah, and you'll see, well, I don't know, the turtle certainly won. But the good child has found her ramp, and she's doing a Goldilocks thing again. This rock is too big. This rock is too <laughs> small. This rock is just right. Oh. Uh, the turtle's jump? like, just like, right for what? Yeah, like, who, her, she's obsessed with this ramp. Just let it go. Here's the I-40 ramp. And Sparky is friends with the uh, jilted – his name's Bumper. Um, I guess they saved a little money because – no, this guy's Zipper, Zipper. Uh, Jim Woods plays Clinch, Clutch, Rivet, and Zipper. And all of his credits are, um, are Sparkplug movies. Good for him. He probably animates too. He's like, I brought the coffee, Michael. Great, great. Get in the studio. Get You're in right. The booth. When you when you see the credits for who was the animators, Michael Schlepp is one of them. I can't believe a producer of a sci-fi show would make something so bad. <laughs> That's the boss going. I'm giving you grief, and so Sparky's like, hmm, I don't want any part of this job. Oh, it seems like a stressful job. I'll be better off unemployed. Wow, they really did a good job on this freeway. They're in the middle right now. The median. They call it the median. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I threw a dollar at the median once because I was told it was the median, median strip. Any luck? Uh, yeah, I saw... Push. Yeah, I, I saw under the slip. <laughs> Three ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, that's know what the that GPS means. price. Then there's What's a, that thing. 
I should find out what this other company is. There, for a while, there was a company that was cranking out similar-sounding movies, uh, like Snakes on a Plane, uh, Snakes on, mm-hmm. on a Train. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. here's the bad guy once again to whisper uh, into the ear of the son and appeal to his worst nature. So he, she is like, you can come work for my gas station. I will double your pay at $80 a day. Cool. Oh, so the film, the company I'm thinking of is called The Asylum, and they make mock okay. muster, mock busters, which are films <laughs> that sound like major motion picture films. <laughs> they also created Sharknado. Uh-huh. Uh, but let me see if I can find a list of their films. Uh, there's The Transmorphers. <laughs> They did their own version of War of the Worlds the same year the uh, the Spielberg movie came out. Mm-hmm. They did a film called The Day the Earth Stopped. Not, just, Not stood still. Uh, when Battleship came out, they had a movie called American Warships. Mm-hmm. But my favorite of theirs, which is a really good one, is called Titanic 2. It's about a ship whose name is Titanic 2. Uh-huh. That, that leaves during modern days. So uh, let's see. We have Belly Fruit, Foreplay, Scarecrow, Slayer. Let me find a better one. H.G. Wells, War of the Worlds, Dead Man Walking, King of the Lost World, Snakes on a Train, The Da Vinci Treasure, <laughs> 666, The Child, not to be confused, Pirates of Treasure Island. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not of Caribbean. The 9 11 Commission Report, based on the 9 11 attacks. <laughs> I guess that's the, they're saying it's the Wikipedia is saying it's the ripoff of United uh, 993 and World Trade Center. The Hitcher, the Hitchhiker. Uh, oh, we eight. saw. Claw um... Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Claw Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834. Download a podcast, have some fun! 
convertible 1969 gold Cadillac with the white interior that drove it up here. And I started to do some thinking. around in it on the freeway and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Smoking big spliffs and cruising that Cadillac on the freeway. Good to see you. I am a Hello, Blake. Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday. Claw Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Claw Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834. San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can listen on the go Listen to 
or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Mutinyradio.fm. Why not make a donation? Mutinyradio.fm. Streaming live the station. Mutinyradio.fm. District of the Mission. Mutinyradio.fm. Mutinyradio.fm. Listen to live streaming radio or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco. MutinyRadio.fm. Hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full-length movie. Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be 
Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and in 